0: This morning we are continuing with our sermon series, I Am the Church, which I continue to be given a hard time about. And again, the fact that I am the church means that each one of us, you and I, are responsible to take up God's call in our lives to be his witness and testimony everywhere we go. Amen? So this morning, have you you noticed that recently there has been an influx or a, it just seems to me that there have been more films made, you know, from watching the television when you drive past a uh, bus stop. There's just always a new movie coming out that has to do with like a comic book hero. Have you noticed that? It seems like it's something that is striking a chord in our society, something about the superheroes. There was even a television show called Heroes that All of these regular, I don't know, it wasn't just high school kids, but it was just people in general had all sorts of superpowers. Now, this used to be a thing that when we were kids, we wanted to be superhero like Superman or Batman or whichever other. Well, Batman's not really a superhero, but he's just an awesome guy, right, with a utility belt. But it seems that when we're kids, we want to be all of these things, right? We see the comic books, we see the cartoons, we see those cartoon movies, and that's what we want to be like. And so we have these dreams, these passions. Um, you know, we, we, get, we get towels and we make them into capes because we want to have these superpowers and we play like that. And I remember we used to have an avocado tree. And I was Batman, and on this avocado tree, that was my utility belt. And so I would grab these avocados, playing apparently um, by myself in the backyard, and I would have targets on our brick fence, and I would throw these avocados against the fence. Sometimes I would use Guavas. My parents didn't like that. <laughs> but the truth is, like, we, we have just imagination when we're kids. When we're children, I mean, there, there is nothing that's impossible when we're kids. Whatever we dream up, that's what we know we can become. And oftentimes, it's a superhero. But as we get older, we, we see those kinds of desires and wishes kind of as immature. Like, now I'm an adult, so now I actually have to get a job. Now, I'm an adult and I have kids, so I have to make sure that I provide for my kids. And that once youthful hope and dream is wasted on adulthood. And so, this morning, I want to encourage you and challenge you um, for us to reimagine what it looks like to have superpowers. Except that what the Bible calls superpowers are not actually superpowers, because that would be, <laughs> I mean, that would be a wrong teaching. <laughs> but they're called spiritual gifts. God has given each one of you and me a set of spiritual gifts. A spiritual gift, as you will see in a minute, is simply something that God gifts you with that allows you to serve God in this world. A spiritual gift is not a superpower. None of you will be able to fly. None of you will be able to have, you know, laser vision none of you are going to have claws coming out of your hands like wolverine Um, none of you will be like magneto or magneto whatever it is but what you will be given and what god has given you is far more important than any superpower can be now i know you're probably thinking that's your job to tell us that because you're a pastor but i believe it because i bet none of you can fly so the spiritual gifts are the next best thing to superpowers, and I want to, show you, I want to show you from Scripture that that's true. So if you have a Bible, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and this is what it says. For by the grace given to me, this is Paul writing, I say to everyone among you to not think of himself or herself more highly than you ought to think, but think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith. That God has assigned you with. Now, Paul is using a very strong word. (laughs) Think of yourself with sober judgment. Now, I know none of you have ever been drunk before, but to not have sober judgment is to think—people call this, you know— beer goggles. Sorry for the illustration, guys, but this is Scripture, and he's talking about sober. The opposite of sober is being intoxicated. I'm just trying to get to where Paul is saying. But when you see the world through those colored glasses, everything is better. That's the idea, that when you see things not soberly, it means that things, well, they're not the way they should be. They're not the way they are. They just look better. Okay, there was, um. and so when Paul says Be with sober judgment. I'm getting uncomfortable up here, right? I'm like, I don't know what the. (laughs) But when Paul talks about sober judgment, he is saying see things for how they really are. Do not think more highly of yourself than you ought to. In other words, he's saying don't be conceited. Don't think you're all that. Don't think that just because you can preach, you're any better than anybody at the church. Don't think that just because you can sing, you have a better place at the the church. Don't think that just because you're an elder, you're better than anyone else at the church. Paul is saying, think soberly and understand that each one of you in the church has a role to play. And it is all equal. If God gives a gift, he doesn't give one gift better to one person than the other. God gives a gift, not just because he wants you to have a gift, but because he knows that if we use them together, things will be better. So he says, By the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of yourself more highly than you ought to, but think with sober judgment, for each one of you has been given a measure of faith. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, right? If we all did the same function, we'd all be preachers, right? And nobody likes to be preached at all the time, right? Right? Ask your wives. Husbands, ask your wives. They don't like to be preached at all the time. But we do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one one body in Christ, and individually members of one another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. We are one body. And as a church here in Orange, we are also connected to the larger, even more massive body of Jesus-believing Christians everywhere. But the thing is that I can't change the world in another part of the world. I can only change what is in my midst and being a part of a church, you see people. They, uh, if you've ever met somebody, and um, or you have a conversation with somebody, and they from the church, and they know that there's somebody that they know who kind of has stopped coming to church. We use words like they're backslidden. We have to get them back to the church. But the reality is, is that you are the church. And sometimes the most powerful thing you can do is to reach out to them yourself. You see, being a part of the church isn't just about coming to this building and listening to good music and listening to preaching. Being a part of the church is about taking up the mission and the vision of what God wants us to do in this world. And God says, I have gifted each one of you with something that you can do well. He says, think soberly because what you're given doesn't make you better than anyone else. Even if it's a more visual position, it doesn't make you better. It just means that you have a different role and a different offering to give, not only to God's people, but to the world that is all around us. If each one of us would take responsibility and say, I am the church, collectively, we could do so much more. Now, we all have different gifts, But they are all one in the same as to getting our mission completed of teaching more and more people about the saving grace of Jesus. Now, let's go to 1 Corinthians. Now, I know I'm preaching to the choir. If you've been in church for for your whole life, I know I'm preaching to the choir because most of you know we already know this, Pastor Dave. We know that we're supposed to be, you know, using our gifts to serve God. But the truth is, the statistics show that in churches, 20% of the people do 80% of the work. And that doesn't mean Adventist, non adventists it's just the way groups work. My hope is that 80% of the people, wait, how would that, what would be the opposite of that? 80% of the people did 20% of the work? <laughs> uh, more people doing more stuff. <laughs> And one of the things that I've noticed, even in just um, bringing Genevieve on board with us and just being able to see her um, kind of flourish here, is that I have seen more people, and I'm not saying that this is the only place that ministry happens, but I have seen more people in, in the almost year that I've been here, in the last two months, more people on stage and singing and reading and lighting candles and reading cultural worships and picking up offering. I have seen more people in the last couple of months doing stuff here at the church than I have in any of the churches I've been before. Does that make sense? That's awesome. And I want to thank you for doing that because I know sometimes it's kind of scary standing up here. And the truth is, is that the more and more that we do, the more blessings that we get. God is blessing this church in amazing ways. People have been telling me, like, we want to invite more people, and I have an answer to you if you're here, but we want something to give them so that we can tell them where we're at. You know, sometimes it gets so easy for church to just be the thing we come to, that we sit in a pew, we look up front, and then we leave. Because that's not church. Church is who you are and what you're doing always. What we do here as we gather in a church building is we give worship and praise for what God's been doing all around us. This is where we empty ourselves and give God everything you know, sometimes, okay, I have a story, actually, Then this is the sometimes. I remember when I was um, in junior high, I was looking forward to playing football, okay? Football my, was my favorite sport. Tennis is now, but that's beside the point. But when I was in eighth grade, I remember thinking to myself, I cannot wait to get to high school because then I can play football with shoulder pads and helmets because I never did that because they played on Saturdays, and I couldn't do that because I was a Seventh-day Adventist, and my parents wouldn't take me. So I finally would have an opportunity to play tackle football, full contact with shoulder pads. I mean, I was excited. And I remember sitting in a drafting class in eighth grade, or whatever they called it, and I remember thinking to myself, I'm going to try out, because I know I can be quarterback. I'm just going to lose like 15 pounds, and I know that I can be quarterback. And if they don't let me be quarterback, then at least I got some bulk on me, so I'm going to be a a fullback, right? I'm going to run the ball, and I'm going to be a special fullback, and I'm going to make touchdowns. And if I can't do that, then I'm going to be a linebacker. And I'm going to, by the way, I didn't know all the terms back then. I just knew, like, I didn't linebacker, lineman, whatever. I just knew basics. But I thought if not, then at least I'm going to be on the defense, and I'm going to tackle people, and I'm going to do awesome. Like, I'm going to get all the glory. I was just like, I was already picturing myself scoring touchdowns, okay? But look at me. I'm not a quarterback. I'm not a wide receiver. I wasn't even a fullback because I was too slow, I think. I think. So we get to the first day of practice. We do all kinds of conditioning, all that stuff. And so then the coach, he basically looks at you and he goes, you're a lineman, you're a lineman, you're a tight end. I'm like, at least give me tight end. But nope, lineman. And then he has us all line up, all the linemen. He says, I want you. And I was shorter than I am now. And he says, I want you guys to run from here to some, I don't know, like 40 yards as fast as you can. Well, you know, I'm competitive. So I ran and I beat everybody. I don't know if that's a good thing, but... I was the least big guy, I guess. And so I was like, all right. So he comes up to me and he goes, okay, you're a center. Does anybody know football? That's like the worst position. You're like in the middle of the line on offense. There's no glory. Sure, I get to touch the ball every single snap, but there's no glory in that. I sprained ankles. My arms were bruised for three years. I was like, I hurt my neck. That still bothers me. I mean, it was horrible. It was ugly. I'm the guy, for those of you that don't know, that he has the ball and snaps it back to the quarterback. Very uncomfortable position to be in. Okay? That was my job. I never got to get any glory. Sometimes when you're on a team, you don't always get to play the position you want to because that's not what you're gifted to do. And it works the same way in a church. Just because you want to do something doesn't mean that that's what God has gifted you to do. And it doesn't make you bad and it doesn't make you, you know, whatever it is. It just means that with sober judgment, that with, with thinking clearly about how God has gifted you, that's where we want you to serve. We want to be a church that is faithful to the Scripture and being faithful to the Scripture means that we, as the leadership of this church, must show you and help you to discern what is your spiritual gift. And if we can do that, then we can help you to serve in the capacity that God has created you to serve in. Amen? So, with that in mind, I'd like our deacons—I don't know if—Wally, can I get you to come up and, like, one or two other deacons? Ned? In order for us to remain faithful to, to this process, uh, one of the things that, the, that we have designed is what's called a spiritual gifts notebook. Can I have one of those? Just so I can. i I'll get this one. Every one of you gets one. You don't get to pass. This is not one of those, oh, my wife got one. No. <laughs> this is for every single person. I hope we run out and we'll make some more for next week. But what this is, is a part of this church being faithful to the scriptures to teach its members what your gift is? So what they're handing out, and it's, it's, it might look daunting at first, but it's a couple of pages of questions that we want you to answer. Now, you don't have to do it right now. Actually, please don't do it right now. But bring it back next week or the week after. If you're a visitor, take one. It's a blessing, okay? Please take one and then fill it out. Follow the directions and give it to your pastor wherever you are. Okay, this is for you. This is for you to be able to know how God has gifted you, and it's a set of questions, and you put them on a grid, and based on your top five scores, from greatest score to the least greatest score, is what God is gifting you with. But we don't just end there. I know you guys are probably distracted by them. Just look up here. After you've done the spiritual gifts assessment... You will come to me and you'll say, hey, Pastor Dave, I did the spiritual gifts assessment. I'm going to say, okay, I have three more sheets of paper for you. Because sometimes when we do assessments like this, what happens is we have the most idealized version of what the right answer is. And so the fail-safe to that is we're going to give you some observation assessments to give to three people that you trust. And then they're going to observe what some of your gifts are. This isn't going to make you feel bad, okay? It's only positive answers. It's only good things. There is no, that's a subpar human. No, it's all good stuff. What we're trying to do here is to equip you to serve, okay? And so we want each and every one of you to fill one of these out. It'll take you 15 minutes at the most, or 20. And we want you to keep this and hold on to this. And when you're done with this, I want you to come to myself or to Kim or to Bob and hand these to us And then we will get you the next step. Actually, I believe we're going to have the next step available for everyone next week. And then what we're going to do, once we have all of this, because we're trying to remain faithful, is in the month of August during Sabbath school and during potluck times and under special appointments, if you can't be here those times, I'm going to be making myself available in my office. We're going to have a sign-up sheet, and then we're going to talk about your assessment, and then we're going to provide with you opportunities for you to serve in this church. Amen. Come on everybody. We don't have to do this. This is something we should be excited about. I mean, this excites me anyway. It excites Darlene, I bet. She's taking notes. I don't know what she's doing, but it excites her. Cuz she's in a leadership position and she understands how helpful this is. She knows. She I, right here, kindred spirits right here. This is exciting stuff, you guys. Kim has to do one of these. Please everyone i'll do it myself elders you too you can't have your wives do it for you <laughs> I'm just kidding. the point is we're going to have these available because we want you to serve where you are most gifted to serve now let's go on to the next text now there are a variety of gifts but the same spirit and there are varieties of service but the same lord And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in every one. To each one of you is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Here's a definition for a spiritual gift. It's not just something you're good at. What does it say in verse 7? It is a what? A manifestation of the Spirit. Your spiritual gift is... In essence, is God's Spirit working through you to do something good for the entire group? A spiritual gift isn't just something that will make you serve in the church. It is the very manifestation of God in your life. How many of you want to experience God? I hope every hand goes up. Your spiritual gift is a direct manifestation of the Spirit of God in the flesh. Because each one of us has been given a part of God's Spirit. And I know that sounds weird in New Age. I'm just telling you what the Scriptures teach us. But each one of us, in essence, has the Spirit of God flowing through us. I don't understand how. And it manifests itself through something that you do to serve others. And now we look at Ephesians chapter 4 and God gave the apostles God and he gave the apostles the prophets the evangelists the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints that's you the saints for the work of ministry notice that Paul calls believers saints and not sinners for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the son of God to mature adulthood or manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ so he has given us teachers he has given us he has given you myself see this is part of my sacred calling this is not just a gimmick this is not just something that's going to take 15 or 20 minutes of your life according to the book of ephesians this is my sacred calling to help you to discern your gift and then help you to implement them do you understand that if I don't do this then I'm not being faithful to the elders I always tell them we must be faithful to what God is calling us to do we must be faithful and I always nag at them and get on them for stuff and and it's something that keeps coming up but it's because I must be faithful to this text my job as your pastor is to help you to serve It's to help you to, to enter into the potential that God has created you with. And part of how we're doing that is by just asking you to fill out these assessments. Because even when we serve and give of ourselves, God in his infinite goodness and wisdom still gives back to us. So we think that we're going to be depleted after doing all of this stuff. We think if I do this, then they're going to ask me to do stuff. Look, we can't force you to but we want to make the opportunity available for you. But even when you serve, God will bless you with immense joy. The vision of our church that the elders have come up with through prayer is that through grace, we are becoming faithful followers of Jesus. Do you guys remember the video we had up here of a bald guy with like a mustache? He's wearing a white V-neck shirt. It was a video. And he says, we always talk about following Jesus. We always talk about Jesus, but very few people are actually following Jesus. Well, this is our sacred call, that to be a follower of Jesus, or the Bible word for that is a disciple, it means, as Jesus once told us, you must pick up your cross and deny yourself. The cross is not a burden. The cross is your sacred calling. For Jesus, the cross is the symbol of death, right? So Jesus says, each one of you has a symbol of death. And all he really means by that is you have to die to your selfish wants and your selfish desires. We were talking about this in Sabbath school. And our daughter, she asked, why is it? We, we, saw, a, we, we saw a Buddhist monk, and so she had a question about it. And um, in it, she realized that this Buddhist monk had had made a vow of silence, which meant that he would not talk to anyone for the rest of his life or or something like that. And so our daughter asks us, why is it that all these other people of other faiths seem to be more committed to their faith and their religion than Christians? And that's a tough one because I can't take a vow of silence, right? There is things that that for me, I, it would be too difficult to do. And I think that that's the struggle that we all face is for what the Bible calls for us to do is, is not for us to have a vow of silence. It doesn't call for us to live in poverty. It doesn't call for us you know, to, in essence, give everything away. But what it does call for you and me to do is to serve one another through love. What the Bible does call us to do is that the spiritual gifts that God has given you, what it calls us to do is to use them and to implement them for the common good, not for your good. Okay, it's not about just you being up in the spotlight, but it's about you giving this as an offering for what God has been doing for you in your life. And so I think one of the best things that I can do as a pastor is to help you go through this process. So that we could all, in essence, side by side, be working to be witnesses and a testimony to God, because at the end of the day, that's what God has called us to do. To be his witnesses and his testimonies wherever we go. He didn't call us to be anything other than that. And so as, I, as we close this teaching, I, I want to just continue to encourage and encourage and encourage and even beg you to fill this assessment out. And if you say, well, I just come sometimes, it's okay, then you can serve sometimes. (laughs) And if you say, well, I'm a student and I'm going to be gone, it's okay. You're still a part of us. We want you to do this because at the very least, you will see how God is gifting you and it might just open up more opportunities in your life. Let's pray. God, I am. we're always thankful for the gifts that you give us. And Lord, sometimes the gifts that you, get, that you bestow upon us, we don't even deserve, probably most of the time. But now, God, this is an appeal that you would encourage each one of my friends here to fill out this assessment so that we would know our sacred calling. God, we are thankful that you have chosen to use humans to help get across your message. And our prayer is that we would be faithful and that we would be witnesses to you in all things. In the name of Jesus we pray, amen.